You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Collective Cafe, a virtual coffee experience which takes place every single Monday through Friday, 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in both Alpha Collective's Discord, that's discord.gg forward slash alpha collective and startup clubs house in clubhouse it's free it always will be free there are no strings attached there is no bait and switch lurk or listen only chat with one another in our back chat or even come onto stage the coffee shop is open for business whether you're on the treadmill getting the kids ready for school getting yourself ready for work commuting into the big bad city or maybe just even commuting from your bedroom to your home office on monday we manifest on tuesday we talk thought leadership on wellness wednesday we discuss mental health wellness and life skills on thursday we do live book reads and discussions with the author and then on friday it's no agenda friday where there is no agenda Start your day off on the right foot, on the front foot, with virtual coffee, with the Collective Cafe, where we mastermind, we manifest, we collaborate, we help one another at the business of Web3 or anything else that intersects, whether it's culture, collaboration, creativity, innovation, disruption, entrepreneurship, or coaching. So give us a subscribe, bit.ly forward slash Collective Cafe to go, or a review on your favorite podcast platform if you're listening on demand or of course join us every day live it is addictive and remember it is a safe welcoming space and you will never ever be put on the spot this is alpha collectives collective cafe my name is joseph jaffe well good morning everybody i've been working hard and diligently make sure that the uh the mic is working. I think it is. I think it is. Good morning, Melissa in Discord. I was working hard, hard, hard uh, to give you all the links that you needed um, or tell people outside. I dare people outside to join us today because today we're building character. Um, we are, here we go. I've done everything that I needed to do. I cannot do any more. I've shared this uh, with Clubhouse. I've shared this uh, with Twitter, I've shared this with Threads, I've shared this with LinkedIn. I cannot share anymore. I can only focus on the amazing people in this room right now, letting you know that you are in the right place at the right time. I'm curious. I'm curious. First of all, I would love, 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 love if anyone in this room would share the room. If you do not know about, in fact, actually, if you've been here for the last, for any of the last Thursdays listening to I Dare You, uh, it'd be great for you to put it into the chat. Uh, let me know if this is your first time here in the Collective Cafe, in Startup Club. Uh, we do this Monday through Friday, 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. 
we haven't, I don't believe we've missed one ever. When I'm away, uh, one of our regulars actually steps in or steps up and you could become a regular too. Um, if you're actually looking to develop your own public speaking, your own, <clears throat> your ability to run a room or share a room, um, the first step is to just stick around, uh, become a regular um, and slowly but surely come up to come up on stage the best time to do that is Friday when we have our No Agenda Friday, our AMA, our open mic. Um, there are always opportunities for people to be able to do more and, and become more comfortable, especially when you're in a safe space. So we are in a book. We're reading a book called I Dare You. It was written in 1931, maybe even earlier, by William Danforth, who was the he was the founder of um, Rolston, which became Rolston Purina, which is now known as Purina, as we know it today, uh, the pet company, pet food, pet care company. He wrote a book in 1931, and in many respects, it is just as relevant, if not more relevant today, because here we are today reading a chapter called I Dare You to Build Character. I don't know, I haven't read it yet before, but let me tell you one thing. Uh, we we have a lot of characters in the world um, today, but do they have character? Do you have character? What is it uh, to have character? We've discussed personality, magnetic personality. We've discussed posture. We've discussed creativity. This book is just an absolute gem. And, uh, you know, let's <clears throat> let's get into it. And, uh, you know, as always, um, depending on how much... This is a shorter uh, chapter. Uh, so maybe, maybe... And then the next one is called I Dare You to Share... Um, and that's um, also somewhat short. Maybe we'll get through two today. Maybe we'll get through one. It really comes down to the engagement in the room. There are about 76 people here today. I'm hoping uh, uh, and just drop to, it's so funny, like to 61, whether that means they're bots or not. I hope the people that are left are human beings. The best way for you to determine if you're a human being, it makes me worry sometimes that you aren't human, uh, which is not to say that you're not human, but you know what I mean. Um, so the best way that you can show me that you are engaged in this room is either through an emoji um, or, or putting something in the chat. If there's something you like, say that you like it. Say, you know, express some emotion. If you have questions, comments, as I said, sharing the room, that would help me as well. And I, and I, and I appreciate it. That's the most important thing. All right, so I dare you to build character. We were climbing up the great trail toward the mountain peak. Jimmy, our five-year-old grandson, was struggling to keep up. Tired, Jimmy? I asked. My feet are tired, but myself isn't, he answered. Myself was Jimmy's spirit. So my feet are tired, but myself isn't. So he was saying my feet are tired, but my spirit is not. Up the Great Trail was an adventure for five-year-old Jimmy. Up the Great Trail will be an adventure for 20-year-old Jimmy. Yes, for 30-year-old Jimmy and 50-year-old Jimmy. As long as the spirit is there, Jimmy will continue to climb. Tired? Yes, of course, he will become tired. Yes, of course, body will be tired, but Jimmy's spirit never tires of urging him to higher and higher plateaus. There is an old Hindu legend, says Claude Bragdon, that at one time all men on earth were gods, but that men so sinned and abused the divine that Brahma, the god of all gods, decided that the Godhead, 
should be taken away from man and hid someplace where he would never again find it to abuse it. We will bury it deep in the earth, said the other gods. No, said Brahma, because man will dig down in the earth and find it. Then we will sink it in the deepest ocean, they said. No, said Brahma, because man will learn to dive and find it there too. We will hide it on the highest mountain, they said. No, said Brahma, because man will someday climb every mountain on the earth and again capture the Godhead. Then we do not know where to hide it where he cannot find it, said the lesser gods. I'll tell you, said Brahma, hide it down in man himself. He will never think to look there. Oof. Did you just get goosebumps? Did you? Did you? Did you just get, uh, I just got uh, goosebumps. I mean, this is crazy. And by the way, and by the way, uh, Brahma is the name of a beer. Uh, it is not lost on me. Uh, Brahma is a beer, um, yeah, a Brazilian beer owned by Ambev, which is AB InBev, part of that whole company. Um, and uh, I, in fact, went to Carnival and hang out, hung out in the Brahma suite. Um, so isn't that a little bit blasphemous to actually name a beer after a god, um, I suppose? Uh, so hide it down in man himself. He will never think to look there. And that is what they did. Hidden down in every man is some... Is, is some of the divine. Ever since then, he has gone over the earth, digging, diving, and climbing, looking for that godlike quality which all the time is hidden down within himself. It is this spark that I'm daring you to turn into a blaze. It is this radiance we must recapture. It is something genuine, something for everyday use. It is the spirit that naturally makes you do the right thing at the right time. It's the thing that makes a gentleman and a gentlewoman. It is that unseen something that will not let you take advantage of a weaker person, whether it be on the football field or in a business transaction. It is, you know, I have to stop there for a second and I just think about, you know, all the people that prey on the weak and the vulnerable, you know, all the scammers, all the direct marketers. I've seen it so much lately um, in Clubhouse, you know, uh, in Twitter Spaces, in Web3, how desperate people are and how easy they are um, to be taken advantage of or how easy it is to take advantage of them. Um, this absolutely could not be more relevant uh, than right here and, uh, and right now. Um, so let's, let's continue. Uh, it is that something inside of every worthwhile person that makes him decide right when temptation confronts him. Be fair, be honest, and be dependable. And this spirit I'm talking about is not one that skulks back in the shadows. It is one that belongs up with the captains and kings. It is a spirit proud of its heritage, one that flies its banner high. Too much has been left to the preachers in the past, the day is gone when the radiant side of life can be located like a Sunday suit and only put on one day a week. I'm still speaking to you as a practical businessman, daring you to live a complete life. What general would attack on three fronts and retreat on the fourth? Would you be fair to yourself to quit with three-fourths victory when complete victory is in sight? During the summer, I sat high up on the sand dunes of our American Youth Foundation camp in Michigan 
and watched the ever-changing glory of Lake Michigan by day and night, sunrises and sunsets, moon and stars, water and sky that were never the same. But the thing that gripped me most was the horizon line. Some days it would be miles and miles away. On other days a mist would turn into a fog, and my horizon was just a stone's throw away. Who wants to live in a fog and be limited in his outreach? I know of no other side of life that will so widen your whole horizon as the development of this last and most important frontier. It is to you, strong of body, brilliant of mind, magnetic in personality that I'm talking now. What price all of these without the inspiration of a cause, capital C? Since the beginning of things, man has had the capacity for some kind of spiritual life Unless the side is developed, it dies, and all the other three sides of life suffer. No man can allow part of him to die without penalizing the parts of him which continue to live. If attack is the keystone, keynote of growth in our physical, mental, and social lives, why not in the spiritual life too? Now, you know, uh, what we're actually going to go into here is very much a religious component. Um, and so, you know, recognizing, I think right now, I'm just going to say that, you know, religion and spirituality in 1931 obviously meant, uh, uh, meant so much, it meant, it meant, it was a completely different thing compared to what it is now. I mean, today, um, from a religious standpoint, from a religious freedom standpoint, uh, from the fact that you can be agnostic, atheist, um, the fact that you can find spirituality in nature, spirituality um, in meditation, um, in yoga, spirituality in psychedelics, in psilocybin, there are many ways uh, for people to actually dig deep into oneself and find the, the Godhead, um, if you will. So I'm going to read this to you and recognize that some of you are Christian and some of you are not, and some of you are religious and some of you are not. Um, but we read this book um, on its face value, and we recognize that the book was written in 1931, and we kind of appreciate it too. I appreciate this because, you know, in many respects, here's the thing, right? We may as well be tw- 100 years later, right? We're 2023, but soon it will be 2031, 100 years later. Um, it's it's inconceivable that in 2131 or 2123, that we won't look at even this conversation at my commentary at this collective cafe this morning and not look at it and say, well, you know what, you know, uh, kudos to Jaffe. Uh, he, um, he did his best. You know, he, he said what he believed to be true at the time. He was only, um, he was limited by his knowledge, by his scope, by his awareness, by his uh, ability to kind of um, represent the truth that he was aware of or, you know, the uh, the knowledge that was available to him. So just think about that. Think about like that when we, you know, goes back to even this uh, PQ, this positive intelligence, you know, we judge people by our own standards, by what we know to be true, by the rubric or by, you know, what are the rules or the laws at the time. But even when we think about law itself, when we think about legal precedent, it is just that, Right, it's precedent, but it's the law of the land based on what is true at the time until such time that a law is not broken, but a new law is created that supersedes or or replaces the one before, where a new precedent is formed and a new precedent um, is created. And so I think it's important to remember that when we do judge, 
when we do blame, when we do label, when we do evaluate, we are doing that based on what we know to be true at that moment and at that time. And we should always reserve judgment that in fact, we may not know everything. In fact, in fact, we may not even know nothing. So let's continue. I remember a dear old lady whose life was a constant uh, benediction, sitting in a group where everyone but herself seemed picking to pieces the church, religion, and finally even Jesus himself. Like an avenging angel, she suddenly stood over them, silencing their chatter with words that pierced like swords. How dare you criticize my Lord, she demanded, and they all wondered how they had, how they had dared. You couldn't criticize General Washington with Anthony Wayne in the room. Who would dare say anything about Pasteur with any of his co-workers standing by? Why should any spiritual crusader sit passive when the crusader of Galilee will take us on an adventure far beyond our fondest dreams? This sounds like the metaverse to me. Uh, Strength and courage are essential in the development of the physical, mental, and social sides of life. Aren't you willing to admit that you need these qualities on your spiritual front as well? Look at the honor roll of Christian crusaders. Are there any weaklings there? Saul of Tarsus persecuted the Christians until a light from heaven changed his whole life and he became Paul the preacher who stormed the very gates of Rome under the shadow of death itself to carry his master's message to the needy. Was there any lack of adventure in his life? Peter, fiery and impetuous, was unwilling for Jesus to wash his feet. In his human weakness, he denied his Lord thrice. That same Peter who caught the passion of service was crucified head downward. Whoever fought against greater odds to more far-reaching victories than those spiritual crusaders of old. What is a spiritual adventure, you ask? Here is a striking example. In St. Paul's Cathedral, London, on a tablet to the memory of General Charles Gordon, in, in quotes, Chinese Gordon, I read these immortal words. Who at all times and everywhere gave his strength to the weak, his substance to the poor, his sympathy to the suffering, his heart to God. Sir Wilfred Grenfell found, too, that all spiritual adventure had for its foundation first the giving of one's loyalty to a living leader and then expressing it in knightly service. Real religion involves real courage, he writes. The inefficiency, the inefficiency which I had associated with it had not been its fault, but ours. We had not dreamt of taking Christ in earnest. Religion makes one do things, a power beyond my own to win out. Now, I have to tell you, like I am not Christian, and I'm reading this, and I don't connect with it at all, and I don't identify with it, and I don't really even understand it. Maybe you do. If someone actually does, it might be interesting for you to come up at some point and share if if this connects with you, how this connects with you, and uh, or if it doesn't, um, if you if you make another connection, I'd be kind of curious. Um, I'm not asking you to become preachers like Paul or Peter, or a soldier like Gordon, or a medical missionary like Grenfell. But I am asking you to consider their revolutionary idea of making an adventure out of their religion. These men with thoughts so like our very own first fell into the false notion that religion was something for young children or old people or for the weak or sickly uh, or the fanatics. Uh, But how different when they found out that it was a power that worked in every phase of their own lives, building the physical, developing the mental and inspiring the social. 
Maybe Sir Wilfred Grenfell's method of attack on the spiritual front will help us. He says in his book, What Christ Means to Me, if the hardest thing in the world to resist is temptation, we should present a vision of Christ that tempts men the right way. Real religion dreams and sees visions that intoxicate every bit as much of the license permitted by the will not to believe. Only it intoxicates with deeds of kindness, justice, chivalry, love. It answers the insatiate demands of youth and high spirit for freedom from boredom and the pettiness of daily routine, every wit as naturally and undeniably as dram drinking, petting parties, gaming tables, ooh, I like those three, uh, or the self-pollution of lust and license, which surely, if slowly, evoke the loathsome hide out of the nightly jackal which is in us. I feel like going to Vegas right now. Uh, Paul's life was as full of, uh, of thrills as Herod Agrippa's, Livingston's and Lincoln's, as Jay Gould's or King Charles II's. And now we have a new King Charles. Uh, Christ means to me the best kind of a friend as well as leader. If Christ is right and life is a field of honor, and so Galahad and Nathan Hale and Edith Cavell uh, got the real fun out of it, then to every red-blooded man, life becomes heaven in proportion as he seizes its opportunities for service. This is from a man who saw life as a whole. In Labrador, he became the great healer and the great lover of men. He made new men as well as new legs. He made the moral, the morally lame as well as the physically lame walk straight once more. Doing right can be actually can be made actually more thrilling than doing wrong. Our Labrador hero has proven this by his daring deeds. The lure of the Labrador wild was his spiritual adventure. You who risk the remorse of tomorrow for tonight's thrill, why not try the grinful kind of thrill that brings joy instead of remorse? Lift your thoughts above the commonplace. Think on noble things. Soon you are on a higher level. If you consider religion something to be put up with, it becomes a drudgery. Exercise and study are a drudgery to one in the wrong mental attitude. So I, I want to say something which is kind of like interesting. Is like, like this is quite uncomfortable for me to read just because it's just not my religion and it's not something that, you know, and it's, it's just I don't think I've ever read something like this. Um, and, and as I'm doing it, I'm trying to, you know, suspend my own, you know, my own bias and my own uh, kind of thinking here and and I'm trying to like already like make connections to be like okay so 1931 what about 2023 um uh, it it doesn't you know and again I am not Christian but if I was how like that's why I want to know what you think does this land with you do you think hey I need to get back into go back to church do you think like like wait a second um I am you know deficient in one of these four uh, components. I need to find that passion, that 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 spirit, that adventure, or you know, two other ways to actually think about. Which for me is what I'm thinking about. Is number one is what role does spirituality play in your life that is not necessarily religious, right? Um, that's the one component. So that is something we can absolutely discuss. The other thing is this concept of making life an adventure. Like everything that is boring, everything that is mundane, everything that is monotonous can in fact be made into an adventure. You know, what he's saying in this book is your religion can be an adventure. Well, I'm saying actually everything can be an adventure. Life is an adventure. Every day is, a, is not ground. Look, you have the choice. 
if every day is Groundhog Day to you. You know, if every day, if tomorrow looks like yesterday, which looks like today, um, then it's time to change something. If you feel that, it, that you are stuck in a rinse cycle, a rinse and repeat cycle. But then there are other ways to be able to actually create and find adventure in your life. Now, obviously, in this case, there's a big plug for, for religion. In 1931, it probably made sense. In 2023, there are other ways to find adventure and find inspiration and find yourself deep in yourself because that's the essence of the story of Brahma, right? Of the Godhead is the, you know, it's like coaching as well. The answer is always in the room. The answer is inside of you. You just have to look hard enough. You have to look deep enough and you have to have enough patience to be able to go deeper in order to find, because you will find it. It's there. It's always there. It's always, it always has been there. People talk about why and purpose and you know their calling in life. Your calling in life sits inside you, and it always did. You just have to find it. It's not, you know, and rare, you, you may just, I don't know, go on an excursion or adventure, or, or potentially you could be in this room today or read one of my books and say, I found my calling. But actually, all that's done is just ignited the spark that was already inside of you. That's what I believe. That's what I believe. And, um, and listen, if you have a four-hour commute every day, right? Think about, we're seeing a lot more um, uh, lately, a lot more news about companies that are getting everyone back to work and demanding that people come back to work. It's a mistake. It is a mistake because at the end of the day, you know, as long as there is a deathly commute involved, um, we are literally wiping massive chunks of people's lives out. Now, there is a caveat, and that caveat is, can we actually use the commute? Can the commute become the ultimate playground, the ultimate multitasking playground? Can we literally, of every single week of our lives, just devour a book, you know, be a part of the collective cafe, uh, go through coaching and training programs? Can we just fill our minds, our hearts, our spirit with insights, intelligent inspiration? Um, of course we can. We still need some external things to happen because a commute standing on a train for an hour is not quality. Thank God I can put something in my ear holes. You know, thank God I can actually, you know, I have this phone with me. But, but if we can make the commute pleasant, even if it is a long one, if we can provide enough stimulation, enough inspiration along the way and do it in a way that doesn't suck so bad, um, yeah, I, th I think there could be an interesting new way forward. I still am shocked by the fact that there isn't high-speed Wi-Fi uh, on, you know, on the Metro North going into New York City, of all cities in the world, New York City. We're not talking about the flyover states with <clears throat> love and respect to the flyover states. I'm talking about New York City. M you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of people commuting <clears throat> on the Long Island Railroad, on New Jersey uh, transit on the path train on Metro North, and there isn't any um, form of 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 Wi-Fi. 
So if you give people seating and air conditioning, you know, and Wi-Fi, and sometimes even a bar car, maybe we can get the commute to suck a little bit less. And, oh, by the way, do I see a future where our self-driving cars, our autonomous vehicles, take us into the office where we sit in the car in the air conditioning with Wi-Fi um, and allow us to, to read, to watch, to work, uh, to connect, to talk? Maybe it just sucks a little bit less that way. Maybe just a little bit. But the bottom line is we need to turn our lives. Not we need to. If we can transform the mundane, the mediocre, the monotonous into the magnificent, then not only do we build adventure into our lives, but also we feed the Godhead. We feed the life force. We feed our spirit that gets us up the mountain. So let's go back to where the hell was I? Um, All right, so I think that we were... Doing right can be made actually more thrilling than doing wrong. Our Labrador hero has proven this by his daring deeds. The lure of the Labrador wild was his spiritual adventure. You who risk the remorse of tomorrow for tonight's thrill. Oh, I read this, but I'll read it again. Uh, Why not try the Grenfell kind of thrill that brings joy instead of remorse? Lift your thoughts above the commonplace. Think on noble things. Soon you are on a higher level. If you consider religion something to be put up with, it becomes a drudgery. Now that, by the way, is true for anything. If you consider anything to be put up with, it becomes a drudgery, including but not limited to your relationships, your marriage, your friendships, your hobbies, uh, your anything, quite frankly. Um, Exercise and study are a drudgery to one in the wrong mental attitude. But if you consider the building of character or ethics or morals or religion, whatever you choose to call it, as an opportunity to grow, then the unseen things of life take on a new significance. My inspiring friend, Dr. Charles R. Brown, Dean Emeritus of Yale Theological Seminary, told my co-workers at our mill that he judges a man by his wants. If you don't want to be a spiritual adventurer, you never will. But if you sear into your brain and heart and soul a hunger for the best of life, a craving to grow, a cause for your crusade, then you have already advanced on the fourth front. Dare to live in the presence of the best. Try for one week to live a distinguished life surrounding yourself with the very best the world has to offer. Read an excellent poem. Begin the biography of a distinguished man. Study a painting by an old master. Hear a best Victrola record. Victrola record. Hmm. Uh, Would that be now like a kind of, you know, a TikTok MP3? I don't know. Listen to a classical radio program or a symphony. See an uplifting play or movie. Hear a stirring speaker. Meet an inspiring personality. See a sunrise and a sunset. Strive to crowd out of your life unworthy thoughts, unworthy acts, unworthy contacts. Just see what will happen if for a solid week you fill your life only with the best, the very best in literature, the very best in art, the very best in nature. If only we would surround ourselves with the world's excellence, we would live like kings. 
Physical strength demands exercise. Mental alertness demands study. Winsome personality thrives on service. Religious growth requires action. The actual doing of right things instead of the wrong. We advance only by doing. Say your prayers tonight, but unless tomorrow you can act on them, they're not worth much. Dr. E. Stanley Jones, in his book, The Christ of Everything Road, tells the following story. I came down from <clears throat> I came I came down from Elmore or Elmore uh, over one of the worst winding roads of the world. The drive of the bus had never driven in the Himalayas before, and it happened that on his first trip the previous day he had almost gone over one of those terrifying uh, precipitous cliffs. Cliffs. He was nervous, so before starting back, he came in front of the engine and stood with folded hands, saying his prayers to the machine. That done, we started off, but had not gone far when the engine began to overheat. There was no water in the radiator. That was remedied, but when we were still many miles from our destination, the machine stopped while going up a hill. There was no petrol in the tank. There we stayed until rescued. The driver said his prayers to the machine, but put no water in the radiator and no petrol in the tank. Why not start an offensive today? Couldn't you begin by putting your prayers into action? What definite right things will you do to replace some of the wrong things you've been doing? What particular hill will you take? Will you set a zero hour to go over some top that has stood as an obstacle in your life? List some of the things and opposite them launch an offensive program. Imagine yourself a Paul or a Peter or a Gordon or a Grenfell or that quiet friend of yours who is like the still waters that run deep, but whose life overflows with good deeds, which brings rewards beyond measure. Better still, make a program that will be satisfied with nothing less than your own self at your very best all the time. A thrilling spiritual adventure awaits you, but it will take courage. The men who dared were the first pioneers to cross the wilderness. They were the frontline men in the Great War. Courage challenged their inner resources. You cannot climb your spiritual heights without that same courage to loosen the powers that are within you. Now, don't be discouraged if you fail in your first efforts. Coach Meehan of New York University says, we learn practically nothing from a victory. All our information comes from a defeat. A winner forgets most of his mistakes. Let's pause there for a second. Um, <clears throat> there's because there, well, there are a couple of things that I'm just going to plant in front of you. One is this idea of, and again, let's you know, let's substitute the religious part because religion is not for everyone. But this idea of like praying, right, or wanting, forget about praying. Just let's talk about wanting something. You know, really wanting something. You know, going into the. I deserve this. I've put in the effort. You know, life has been unfair to me, blah, blah, blah. Like this idea of you want something to succeed. But have you put in the reps? Have you put in the hours? Have you actually, do you have the substance to your style, right? The stake to your sizzle? I think this is a real good question. And I think it's a question that absolutely applies on a spiritual, but even a, you know, a para-spiritual level, right? It's, it's uh, some people, you know, don't, are not spiritual people. Some people are not religious people. But if there's something you want, the question is, have you put in the reps? Have you put in the hours? Have you, whether it's your 10,000 hours or not 10,000 hours, um, you know, have you actually, do you believe that you deserve it not based on 
who you are, but what you've done. So that's the first point. And then the other point, which is, you know, takes us getting to the end of the chapter. And as I said, this was difficult for me because I don't think I've ever read pages and pages of books about Jesus Christ. It's not my religion. Um, But in doing that, I was able to kind of, you know, pull all of these insights out. And I think that's also... um, I think it's also like a good metaphor for life, right? Sometimes you've got to sit through the painful. You know, painful for you, maybe pleasure for someone else. Sometimes you've got to be able to put in the hours or put in the reps. Um, I've always said this, even in one of my keynotes, which is I don't expect, first of all, if everybody agrees with me 100% of the time, then why did you need me in the first place? Like, you may as well have just been staring at yourself in the mirror. You know, so like the idea the idea of disagreement, of discourse, of debate, you know, of being able to, you know, to pick and choose um, and be able to say, well, that's not for me, that I don't necessarily agree with, but that point, that's a game changer. We're so greedy. We want it all, and we want it all now. And we're always looking for what we didn't get or what we didn't achieve instead of looking at what we did get and what we did achieve, how far we've come as opposed to how far we've yet to travel or or you know or yet to to basically go so i also love this quote right at the end and there's just one more page which i'll read <clears throat> we learn practically nothing from a victory all our information comes from a defeat a winner forgets most of his mistakes let me just finish the chapter um, a little bit more spirituality here, and then uh, maybe we go back to anything that inspired you uh, today. Uh, Rhonda's here. She said, curious, if you're not Christian and not necessarily subscribed to the book, why are you reading it? I'm sure there's a message you want us to grab. Oh, I'll tell you that. That's a great question. Uh, and Jay Ross was saying, was thinking about the same thing. You know, the, I'll, tell you in, I'll tell you in a minute. Um, it's a great question. But let me finish the, the chapter. At the Northfield Student Conference, the West Point delegation was holding a little group meeting in a dimly lighted tent. What is Christianity was one of the perplexing questions that was asked. There was a moment's silence, then from a dark corner came an inspired answer. Christianity? Why? Christianity is Oscar Westover. How one would like to have known him, a West Point cadet whose life has so commended his religion to his mates that in his absence he should be offered by one of them, he should be offered by one of them and accepted by the rest as a working definition of the living embodiment of the Christian religion. Paul said to his young friend, Timothy, wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is within thee. It is not for me to tell you what your spiritual dare should be. You know your own life. There is just one big thing I dare you to do. Beat your best. Spiritual investments are repaid a thousandfold. Don't worry about your few little loaves. Invest, invest what you have. The returns will be far more than you realize. Catch some great challenge of service. Men do great deeds under a magnificent obsession. So um, there, there's actually um, one more thing. Where it just says, if you write out the following questions and answer them carefully, it will clarify your spiritual dares. So there are um, seven of them. And so let me read them to you, and then uh, we'll go back into Rhonda and Jay Ross's uh, points. Uh, Number one, I've read uh, Fosdick's 12 Tests of Character and will grade myself. Uh, Two, am I below or above the average on moral courage? Number three, how dependable am I? How honest? Number four, was God ever more real to me than he is today? 
Number five, my spiritual self is my greatest possession. Plan for its growth. What am I going to do to develop it this year? What crusade am I going to send it on next year? Number six, what is my great spiritual dare? Number seven, have I a great cause in life, a magnificent obsession? And then it says, record your progress by writing the following questions on a sheet of paper. Then dare to grade yourself. You will not want to stop until you have lifted yourself to your highest levels of satisfaction. So number one says, 12 12 tests tested, grade after three months. Number two, what one thing have I done to improve my moral courage? Number three, how have I dared to improve my dependability, my honesty? Number four, what is my definite program for growth? Number five, in what way have I shown spiritual growth during the past three months? Number six, what have I done towards accomplishing my spiritual day? And finally, is my cause my nearer accomplishment than it was three months ago? So let's go into answering the questions um, for Rhonda. Um, first of all, you know, when I look, so I'll, I'm going to work backwards here. When I look at these seven and seven questions, um, I have to tell you, and look, you know, it's, it's also interesting, by the way, you know, Rhonda, so there are like 12 or 13 people left in the room. There are about 215 uh, people that have come through. Some people may have been triggered. Some people may have been offended. Some people may have said, oh, hell no, a Christian room, that's not for me. Some people may say, I'll never come back to one of this, you know, startup club. What a shill for religion. I'll never, I'm leaving the startup club house. You know, I am done with Collective Cafe. I'm done with Joseph Jaffe. I had no idea he was an evangelical Christian, which I'm not. <laughs> I'm not even Christian. You know, um, so, so that may happen. So the question is, well, on one hand, who the 13 people left in the room and the three on Discord? On the other hand, uh, what have we learned? Why did I start the book? Why did I start this chapter? I'm going to get there. So first of all, when I, when I look at Fosdick's 12 tests of character, that may have nothing to do with religion whatsoever. That may be more valuable to me than anything else I've done in the entire book, right? Maybe I build it into my coaching programs. Maybe, so, you know, am I below or, or above the average on moral courage? How dependable am I? I mean, de- me being, de- th- that's got nothing to do with spirituality or religion. How dependable am I? You know, that's, that's a, hell, we could, we could have an entire session on that as well. So you start to peel it back. Now, when, when I started this chapter today, um, I'm reading, I'm reading, I'm reading, and then I suddenly look and I go, whoa, 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 hold on. We're getting into, we're getting into you know, like, like uh, hardcore Christianity and Jesus. So I had two options at that point. One is I could just skip the chapter and move on. Right, which probably most people would have done. I'm guessing. I could be wrong. Um, But I decided to read it. I decided to read it because who am I now to start to determine what to skip and what not to skip? If I see something that I don't like, I'm just going to skip it. I am going to censor it. I am going to withhold it from you as opposed to here's a book and we just decided to read the book. You know, um, the second the second thing is I wanted to be honest, and I wanted to say, by the way, I'm quite uncomfortable even myself reading this because, you know, like I didn't realize we're going to go down this path. But now that we're going down this path, guess what, Joe? Get more comfortable. Just become more comfortable. Figure it out. Figure it out. Now, obviously, if I, you know, just just staying and being very transparent and honest, if I offended anyone in the room because I said I was uncomfortable, well, I'm being honest. 
right? So I apologize if I did, and if I didn't, you hear, you should tell me, and I'll apologize to you. Um, you know, the other thing that I think of suddenly is um, now suddenly I'm thinking of the American Youth Foundation camp, right? That he talks about all the time. I'm gonna bet you, just as a hunch, that it's a religious camp, that it's a that it's a, a camp for Christian boys. I'm gonna bet you, um, and um, and. And now I'm starting to think, as I am thinking, like, how did I get this book? Maybe a missionary came by and handed the book one day, and it ended up in my office. I don't know. And to be honest with you, I don't care. I'm so grateful to have read this book. This book has been amazing, incredible, right? And it shows that we have so many biases, so many preclusions or preclutivities. Is is that, you know what I mean? that we would have been like, hell no, I'm not reading that book because X, Y, Z. As opposed to what can this book teach me? As opposed to, well, there was some stuff that did make me a bit uncomfortable, but that's okay. But there was other stuff that actually made my heart sore and that inspired other people. So that's my answer. You know, my, my answer is I didn't even know, first of all, I didn't even know what the book was about. I found this book on a whim trying to find a book to read And I'm so glad, A, that I didn't just read some, no offense to anyone who's put out a business book in the last 20 years, including myself, who've written five, but another boring business book, another boring self-serving business book, right? And, and, And two, we went back into 1931, into a different time, into a different age. We almost time traveled, and we we have been time traveling, plus someone who actually ended up, you know, founding the Ralston Company, finding out exactly you know, what powered him and, and those around him. Um, so, you know, I mean, if you said, I'm sure there's a message you want us to grab, you tell me, did you, you know, did you, did you grab, <laughs> did you grab a message there? Um, I mean, I think certainly that one message is the fact that if the book had said, I dare you to embrace Christ, right, on the cover of the book, I would not have read it. I would not have read it. In fact, right now I'm telling you I wouldn't have read it. Um, but you know, was it sneaky in that it you know in that it you know kind of weaved it in? Um, no, not at all. I don't think so. Maybe it was. I don't know, and I don't care. You know, if the objective of this was to convert people, then then God bless William Danforth for actually like giving it his best shot. He went on the offensive. He you know he went on an adventure. But for me, as someone who can discern, um, the first port of call for me was to say, okay, uh, spirituality means something different in 2023 than it did in 1931. And, and the important thing that I would say to people, the people that stuck around, is you know, replace the word that might trigger you or that you might not identify with with one that does, even if it is a flower or even if it is a mushroom, a magic mushroom or another mushroom, it doesn't matter as long as it is absolutely speaking to you and inspiring you. Melissa in Discord said, understand this, can relate as being born and raised Christian. However, there are other ways to live. Uh, Guther, did I pronounce that right? Right. Uh, Guther talked a lot about this. And for him, it's often JC as a model for humanity and for us to reflect on that human life and explore what it means to be human amongst humanity. The bigger question and the bigger opportunity is to is humanity itself. Absolutely. 
you know, what it is to be human. I mean, what I'm taking away from this is maybe I spend too much time worrying about bad people and negative people. Maybe I do surround my, not surround myself, um, but certainly there is, you know, what I take away from this is that I need to spend more of my time around hope, positivity, and optimism because that is my why. That is my, you know, my red thread. That is the legacy of my mom. It is what I was put on this planet for. You know, it is what is deep down inside me. You know, and, and as I learn about myself and as, as I discover more about myself, I realize that, that it's a much better way for me uh, to live. And also, and this is a very important point, when we surround ourselves um, and learn from people that are not like us, we grow. Right? Next week, we're going to talk about sharing. We're going to talk, um, no doubt, around what happens is when you open yourself up, when you give more than you get. But diversity of people that we surround ourselves with is so important. Yes, with respect to community and with respect to religion and with respect to, you know, we tend to, we, we are tribal in nature. We do tend to gravitate towards and spend time with people that are like us, whether they look like us, whether they act like us, whether they believe the same things we believe in. But when you push yourself out of that comfort zone and you spend time not only with people that are super different, but also have very different points of view. I mean, we could be talking about Democrat versus Republican. We could be talking about pro or anti-vaccine. But what I'm trying to do, like even with my daughter yesterday, say is say, but what's, I mean, this is now very much consistent with, with coaching now. Let's get to the root of the question. Let's get to the root of the question. Is it really about pro-anti-vaccine? Is it about pro or anti-government? Is it, is it about control? Let's understand what the fear is. Let's understand what the concern is. Let's understand what's really, really motivating you or emoting you. Um, and is it maybe just being told what to do? And if so, why? Why don't you like to be told what to do? What's your problem with that? You know, how has your past informed who you are now and why there is so little trust in others? Is it just the government or is it... So, so getting to the root of everything is vital, number one. And number two, as I said, you know, diversity of thought and also um, divergence of thought are, are key. That's your kind of your, your two... That, when you go on that adventure up the mountain, those are the two people should be on your left and your right, diversity and divergence, um, and, and will help you kind of help find your spirit if you, if you needed help finding it and ultimately soar. That's, that's what I believe. Um, Rhonda says, yes, there were a few things that grabbed me as a Christian and made me think or consider. I mean, Rhonda, be interesting as well. Like, were you uncomfortable with me as, a, as, as someone who isn't Christian reading it and telling you that I was uncomfortable? Um, and, and, you know, it, it wasn't, when I say uncomfortable, it's not like I don't, it's just the fact that, I'm, that, that it's, I'm reading something that I don't know much about that is not, you know, that is not representative of who I am. But you know what? I'm a teacher. I'm an adjunct professor. 
Um, I, I don't get to choose what I like and don't like and teach and don't teach. And, you know, I don't, I don't get, I mean, I shouldn't be the person that ultimately I should curate, um, but I shouldn't, um, I shouldn't willfully attempt to withhold or confuse um, or to manipulate uh, in any way, shape, or form. Um, and ultimately, I think the most important thing that we can ever do is allow the people around us, give them the respect um, to make their minds up for themselves. Um, give them the credit to ask questions. Give them the ability to ask for help. It's not easy. It's not easy to allow uh, people to um, find their way to you. It's much easier for us to want to control or, uh, you know, um, or be the controller. Uh, let me just bring you up, and I saw you just come into the, the Discord as well, Hamza. Um, let's see if that works. Um, we're going to wind the room down in a few minutes. Um, just see if you, if you, I know you raised your hand as well. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, I dare you to build character. We could have had a whole conversation today um, on what is character. Maybe we will. Maybe I'll, I'll uh, do a little bit of digging myself. Maybe I'll go and follow some of those links and, uh, and see to what degree those links actually do uh, speak to me. Um, uh, but character, um, you know, obviously his position uh, is very much based on the fact that these, and, and if you are kind of new to this book that we've been reading, um, if you go back to um, page 21, he talks about kind of the four square approach. And he talks about physical, mental, social, and religious. That's actually what he talks about then. So the physical, you know, he spends a lot of time talking about health and posture and, you know, actually exercise, um, social, um, you know, um, and I said physical, mental, social, religious. So today we spoke, we, we spoke a lot on the religious component, but we could so easily have just replaced that or, or might replace that with spirituality, which is different to mental, right? And, and today, I mean, isn't that funny? Like in 1931, talking about mental, what is mental? Well, today, mental health and mental wellness and depression and, um, and loneliness and, oh my goodness, um, living in a filtered Barbie world um, could not have been more relevant. So had I... Um, thrown out the book or discarded the book or um, passed on the book or skipped elements of the book, I would be without question the poorer, right? It's, it's the same thing like if you go on tour, if you go on vacation, if you are Jewish, I mean, well, if you're Christian, do you set foot into a mosque? If you are a Muslim, do you set foot into a temple? into a synagogue? These are questions. For some, in some cases, um, there actually are religious prohibitions of sometimes setting foot in another religious building. But like, I can't imagine for me not going, you know, when I went to Vatican City, uh, just kind of bypassing it and saying, oh, I'll just get the stamps. I'll just get the commemorative coin. You know, by, by I mean, I would be the poorer 
had I not gone in, had I not visited, had I not learnt, had I not expanded my limited mind with um, with myth, with stories, with history, um, with um, facts, with you know romance, with everything, with everything, with the ability to make my mind up uh, for myself, with the ability for me to triangulate and be able to expand and and advance my own thinking, even if it just meant, you know, not changing my beliefs, but understanding, appreciating, and respecting others. And really, that's what it comes down to at the end of the day, the ability for us to accept, to accept others based on their differences, based on their backgrounds, based on their points of view, that's why I think in so many respects, I love Web3 as the ultimate um, delivery mechanism and driver um, of diversity, equity, inclusion, and access. And, uh, but that's another story for another day. Uh, thank you all for being a part of today's uh, session. And uh, lovely to see all the regulars. Lovely to see people that came into the room. We will be back tomorrow. Rhonda, be careful, you're becoming a regular, you know, it's addictive, you know, once you're in, once you're in the web, there's no, uh, there's no escaping, um, just ask um, uh, Melissa, uh, who is with us every day now, and I'm so grateful uh, and appreciate her, and of course, Bez and Jensa and Christopher, who are here uh, today as well. Tomorrow, No Agenda Friday, uh, open mic, if you have a topic, you can email me, you can text me, you can DM me. Um, if you don't want to run it or lead it, I can do it for you. If you have questions, uh, if you want to talk about anything that you've heard um, on or in the Collective Cafe or something you'd like us to talk about, it really is meant to be uh, open mic, um, office hours, AMA, etc. So have a magnificent day, everyone. And uh, I know I'm a, um, an episode behind. I've been a little bit backlogged, but I'll try and get this one and yesterday's one up um, on bit.ly forward slash collective cafe to go. That's bit.ly forward slash collective cafe to go, which is the pod version of it. Um, so uh, take care, everyone. See you all tomorrow. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.